Welcome to Uphill Conversations. Everything in life worth having is uphill. You can't go uphill with downhill habits. It's time for another show with your host, Tim Pecoraro. Are you ready to be inspired? Well, hello there, and welcome to Uphill Conversations. I am your host, Tim Pecoraro, and I am glad you can join me as you are living your life and heading toward your emerging future. Hopefully you're eliminating any downhill habits and canceling out all agreements with limiting beliefs. And oh yes, it is true. You can be more, do more, and have more. So welcome to episode number 10. And man, we are moving right along. I can't believe I'm at 10. It's like a big milestone for me. And uh, I've got a great guest on this episode, uh, Mr. Chris Brogan. Um, but before I get into that, I just want to thank you once again for all your support. I am very happy um, to be able to be in your ears and that you would subscribe to the show and allow me um, some of your time. And I hope that uh, it is adding value to you and to your life. Um, if you would, please. Once again, go to Stitcher and check out the show. Just type in uh, stitcher.com, Uphill Conversations, inside of the search window and find the show and give me a rating. Would love it. Go to iTunes, do the same thing in podcasts, Uphill Conversations, and there I'll be and give me a rating. And the website, uphillconversations.co.com. And also, I would like to remind you that I will be doing some free coaching episodes and I would love it if you would send your questions. Uh, what are some challenges that you're having? Uh, that could be about making a career change, could be about um, moving in a new direction, could be um, dealing with uh, some inner circle things, uh, having the right people in your life. Whatever it is, send me some questions. Send them to connect at uphillconversations.co. That is C O N N E C T at uphillconversations.co.com. But anyway, let me jump into this with my guest, uh, Mr. Chris Brogan. Uh, Chris has been someone I've, I've, I've been following him for years. One of my favorite books that he's written is Trust Agents. He is, um, uh, he provides simple plans and projects for businesses success. He is a CEO of Owner Media Group, a sought-after public speaker, and the New York Times best-selling author of eight books. And he's working on his ninth. And you need to ask him about it. You can learn more about him at chrisbrogan.com. So we also was neat. Uh, we we were able to chat before we actually got to chat, and Chris was so kind to drive in his car while he found the right parking spot. Which also led me to learn something new that Chris taught me was the second best place to record a podcast besides your own studio is in a parked car. Wow, his sound was stellar. I just want to let you know. So props to Chris for doing that. So without any further delay, let's jump into this conversation with the one and only Mr. Chris Rogan. So obviously you're not having a uh, coffee drink uh, right now or any kind of drink. <laughs> oh, I've got lots of drinks. <laughs> okay. 
Well, welcome to the show, and I'm so glad you took my invitation. Um, I've been been you know watching you for years and following you, and um, and you were one of the people on my list when I knew I was going to launch this. So thanks for taking my invitation. My utter pleasure. Thanks for having me aboard. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the reason I asked you about that drink was because I enjoy those emails you send out. And we did have an exchange um, sometime beginning of this year where you sent out, you know, hey, it's Sunday morning and I'm having this type of drink. What are you having? You know, and then I replied back and we got some chat going. And what I, I what I really liked was knowing that when I was doing this and I already wanted you on the show, I just loved how you you know, you were genuine and you really cared. So I really do appreciate that you're a person that doesn't just write about caring, but you actually do it. So, um, thanks. I know that's weird, uh, to, to actually, you know, believe and mean what I say. Uh, but it turns out it's useful. And the other reason I ever started that idea of asking people what they're drinking is I figured that even if you don't really have much to say about the content of the newsletter, maybe it didn't really apply to you in any particular week. You could at least say, well, I'm drinking this. Um, <laughs> and by the way, the answer to the question right now is something kind of fancy pants. It's a nitro cold brewed coffee, um, which evidently just means that they'll put bubbles in it like they do Guinness. So it's like the <laughs> coffee version of Guinness. Wow. And, and w- w- do you, uh, is there like a favorite shop that you go to to pick that up? Uh, oh, you know what? It's funny. I just had this conversation. Uh, you know, we're recording this on National Coffee Day, which I didn't even know was a thing, but it oh, is. Wow. Uh, I am not especially in any of the particular uh, known or uh, appreciated coffee religions in this country of ours. Right. Um, so I happened to be sitting at a Starbucks uh, and they happen to make that sort of a thing. But I had a good cup just like that up at Bard Coffee in Portland, Maine one time uh, last week. And I can tell you that I like to make my own at my house. So I'm not all that fancy. You're not, you're not that fancy. You just do what you got to do, right? <laughs> That's right. It's just a caffeine delivery system. I'm not all that religious about the, the system. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, um, one of the things that um, is big for me is, um, you know, getting people, uh, you know, especially with me knowing that, you know, I've been trying to, you know, I've been in business consulting, doing marketing, all of those things, working with large businesses, small ones, and now I'm shifting over into, you know, coaching, working with people and coaching, helping uh, individuals who are entrepreneurs, however you want to call them, impactors, solopreneurs, all these things that they call them, self-employed. But I love your owner stuff. And um, a lot of folks that I see, especially in this virtual space, um, you know, dealing with themselves, their potential in in themselves, the belief about themselves. And, and I like how you share a lot about that, um, about you and, you know, you know, how your, what's your journey like. And as a person, you bring in a lot of the personal side, not just the, you know, chitty chat over business, but that owner's mind stuff. I was wondering because it's a new audience, um, um, that I have and, would you just kind of talk about, you know, your idea behind the owner's mind and what that means to you? The reason I put it together in the first place is I think there's a lot of material that gets produced by people that shows all the highlight reel uh, of being entrepreneurial and, and running a business for yourself or being part of something. I think that there's a lot where we show all the ups, but never the downs. And I think that there's a lot of people who want to follow along with that and don't really understand any on-ramp for themselves. They're just, you know, I'm never going to be there because I'm not this, you know, it's like, I don't know, it's like watching your favorite sport and saying, I couldn't possibly play at that level. (laughs) Well, no kidding. (laughs) You know, you're not, you're not, you know, exactly, you know, Super Bowl ready when you first decide you might want to play some football. And so it turns out that 
my method of, of showing people how to be an owner uh, embraces failure. It embraces uh, mistakes. It embraces not knowing things. And I think that uh, one of the weird repeated compliments I get is that I make it seem like anyone could do this. Um, it's a funny compliment because what they're really saying is you don't seem all that smart, so right. <laughs> I could probably do this too. Um, but I love that compliment, you know, because as anyone knows who's ever run a business, it isn't easy. I mean, 90 something percent of uh, small businesses fail in the first couple of years. I mean, that's, that's a horrendous number. It's like, why would we ever put ourselves through this? They always say that entrepreneurs are the only people alive that'll work 80 hours so that they don't have to work 40. Uh, I think that's pretty true. And I would say that what I intend to do is give people owner fuel for their journey so that they can say, oh, you know, I, I never let people make excuses. So instead it's more like, oh, that happened. Now what? And I think it's a big uh, help to have th that voice out there saying, oh, that th these things can get messy and yet we still have to kind of make it work and be successful. And I, I wanted that to be part of the voice I could share in the world and that there's always something we can contribute. Basically, we can always be helpful, even if we're not sure all the details on how to do that. Right. And do you, do you feel like people are intimidated by all the success stories of everyone else? You know, they always hear, you know, oh this, this, you know, I did this and you know, I did my, I got six figures off this launch and all this other stuff. Do you feel like that in, intimidates people um, because they hear so much about just success and not enough about, you know, the failure with the ability to learn from that and become successful? Yeah, you know, I think it's a mix of people being intimidated and also dubious. I, you know, I think that when you see these, you know, people just rolling in their bags of $100 bills, you start to wonder, you know, well, is that even their money? Um, you know, I see a lot of people flash their money, which I swear to God, it's just like, you know, they're just about to hand it to someone else to pay their mortgage or right. something. You know, it's one of those posed photos or you're standing next to a <laughs> Bentley that's not yours or something. And I just think, you know, for as many people out there that want to tell you just how, how stinking rich they are, there's a lot of people who are just kind of making it work for them. Um, you know, my when I t tell people my own personal view of success, because first off, I think most people don't really even know what they mean when they say they want to be successful. They right. haven't really defined success for themselves. My version of success is really low bar. It is basically I just want to be able to say no to the things I don't want to do. You know, that's not you know, I don't have a big fancy house. My house probably fits inside every single person listening to this is house. It's like a thousand square feet. It's inside of a um, factory building. And my car, uh, it was beautiful when I first bought it. It was a uh, 2010 Camaro SS, but it's got a bunch of dents in it. I hit everything I can hit with it, I think. Um, you <laughs> and know, you live and in Boston. Powerful and, <laughs> yes, sir. You know, and uh, any dent I didn't make myself, someone was kind enough to add to it at Logan Airport when I was flying in and out. <laughs> Um, so, you know, but I'm successful, you know, and successful means that, you know, some months making payroll, we're like, whoo, made it by, you know, it's not like we're rolling in dollars every single month. Other months it's like, hmm, get a little treat. Daddy going to buy a steak, yeah. you know? And I think that that view is important to put out there in a world where we think that just everyone is nailing it every single time and that there's never any, you know, fart in church moment where no one hears it. No one, you know, everyone's just kind of looking around going, nothing happened. Right. You know, I think that it's not even that they're intimidated. It's just that they feel like, you know, it just can't be real. And I, I think that, I think both views are kind of important because you can have incredible success. I've, I've had an incredible career thus far. You know, the things that I've done with my business and my life, uh, are things I didn't think were humanly possible. And so there's that, but then it's really important to say, 
and then there's the grind and then there's the mistakes and then there's the, you know, we're not going to hit our numbers just right. So hopefully, you know, I, I try not to be gloomy about it, but I definitely try to paint that there's more than one storyline going on. Well, that, I mean, that's a great answer. Um, and I love what you're sharing about that. Uh, let me ask you, because you're, you know, you're saying, you know, about your house, you know, your house being able to fit inside of most houses and the car you drive and things like that. Um, so how do you define wealth for you? And I, I think I believe um, you've you've made some statements about that before on other things I've read. I don't um, remember them, recall off the top of my head, but since we're on that, because people are kind of chasing things, how do you define wealth? You know, um, there's a really great book on that by my friend Tim Sanders called Today We Are Rich. And it's a, it's a really good book because it talks about the other ways to look at wealth and richness. Um, and I, I very much follow that his mindset, basically, of that it's never a financial thing. You know, the, 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 let me not be wrong about this. It's really good to be able to pay some of your bills. It's really good not to worry that you're going to have supper. Um, there's no f- more frustrating thing that I've ever had in my life than when I go to take out even a hundred bucks or 20 bucks at an ATM and it goes, mm, not today. You can't, yeah. um, you know, I, I used to, when I was just starting out like in 2005 or so, when I was paying for a lot of travel on my own dime, I, I just didn't have a whole lot of money and I was spending it, uh, to get to events and to see people and to, to start to put together what I might do. And I would play that game. I would, I would show up at a, a, you know, another place I had paid for the airline ticket and the conference and whatever, and the hotel, but I didn't have any money in the bank. And so I'd get to the airport and be like, Hmm, I'm not even sure how I'm going to get from the airport to the hotel right now. Uh, and I went from that to, you know, six and almost seven figure business. So we, we topped it somewhere like nine eighty uh, once or twice. And I was like, Oh, that's pretty good. Almost a millionaire. Uh, or almost a million dollar revenue. That's not, <laughs> none of that went to my pocket. Um, but it's important to say that my way of looking at uh, success and wealth is, you know, are you able to, do, do you have at least the support and stability of the people that, you know, you care for in your life? Uh, you know, can you, can you pay the mortgage basically? And then beyond that, you know, do you have even a little bit of flexibility to take different angles of attack or different approaches towards your goals? You know, when we're, when we're not making enough money, we're stuck in other people's narratives. Uh, when we're making enough that we can make a few different changes in our life, then we have a lot more possibility. So I don't, I don't think, I think a lot of people spend their money on weird things, really, to be honest about it. I think that money is really great when it opens up opportunities or when it, when it funds adventures or when it funds chances to make changes to our perspective on the planet. I think that's a really good use of money. I don't, I, you know, I don't have, my, my watch is, not five thousand dollar watch. It's you know five hundred and fifty dollar watch that from Shinola, which is a company in Detroit that brought jobs back to America. And I'd rather give them the money than some nice German people. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, uh, speaking of on those resources, when you said you were paying things on your own dime and how that cost you, you know, and then even in the early days when you were, you know, you didn't have the money to be able to pull out of the bank. What, what were some of the creative things you had to do or what did you learn in order to still grow with the limited resources that you had? You know, that's the thing is I, I find that most people have some reason or excuse. I said earlier on, I don't, not a big fan of excuses. I find everyone has some reason why they think they can't get any further in their storyline. 
Um, you know, first off, libraries. I mean, there's just everything in libraries, and there's also everything on the internet. So, I mean, if you if you can afford a smartphone plan, you know, you have access to to way more knowledge than has ever been at the fingertips of a human being. And if you choose to use that to watch cat videos on YouTube, well, then you know that's kind of where you're getting where you're going. But MIT has an entire you know curriculum available for free that other people used to pay like a hundred grand a year to go to see, and so. Uh, I would tell people that what I did, you know, to kind of get my way forward was I spent a lot of time, whatever free resources I could find when I didn't have money, that's what I did. Uh, I did a lot of experimenting and testing stuff. I would just launch my own thing and see if it worked. And if it didn't, I'd be like, oh, I'll try something else. And, you know, there's a lot of ways to prototype. And then once you start getting a little bit of money, you just start looking for ways to leverage it better. You know, I tell a story quite often about, you know, when I have enough money not to do my own laundry, I pay this nice lady to do my laundry because <laughs> I figure that, you know, that 80 to 100 bucks that I give her gives me freedom to make like 10,000 bucks while she's doing that laundry. Right. So I'm always looking for that. Like, I think it's so weird when people tell me how broke they are all the time, but they're not seeing these moments that if you put in 100 and you got back 200, wouldn't that be worth it? Yeah. They're all looking for like, you know, how do I not spend anything? Right. And I think that, you know, you gotta you gotta put a coin in the slot before you pull it down and get your your jackpot. But it starts with putting that coin in. Jackpots don't come if you don't have a coin. So you can have no money, but you could put that no money somewhere pretty good and leverage it into something bigger. And it, you don't have to be a wizard to do that. You just have to be willing to try a few things and buy a few magic beans. Right, right. Um, that's kind of funny because I, I'm writing a book which maybe one day I'll email you about it. But, well, I've been writing a couple of books for 15 years. I just got to get it done. Ah. And I'm going to get your Kindle mm-hmm. book, too, about the the writing. I'm going to go ahead and get that. Uh, it may help jumpstart a few things. Um, but that's kind of seg- segues into something here when you were talking about, you know, baby, basically people, you know, they have a smartphone, but yet they're watching cat videos. So it's almost like the, the misuse of resource that they do have. And they, they're overlooking it because it's not even in their awareness. Um, even the MIT um, uh, resources that are available. Do you feel like that's just, um, do you feel like people are just looking for performance over actually, you know, growing, like, you know, becoming more aware, personal growth? Do you feel like performance, they're looking for things to perform without actually investing anything in themselves? I think a couple things come about with regards to this. I think one is that, you know, that com- that zone of comfort, you know, nothing, no change ever happens inside the comfort zone. You know, zero change. That's why it's comfort. You know, we're we're in a spot where things are okay and we're not going to move. But no life or no growth ever happens, you know, inside the comfort zone. I think that's one problem. And so we use things to soothe ourselves all the time uh, because we love pleasure and we want to avoid pain. That's how every human is wired. But pain is growth, right? Like birth is, I'm told by women, uh, pretty damn painful. Right. Um, I was there in the room, but I didn't feel it. It looked bad. Um but then there's birth, right? So I think all growth is like that. You know, I think some of it hurts a little less than childbirth. And I think some of it hurts maybe more. I don't want to say that and get yelled at by a nice lady. But I'm sure that there's like pretty, you know, we're men. So we could say it hurts as bad as flu. Right, you know, right. Every, every man who's ever had the flu, you know, knows that they're going to die. Um, so anyway, sorry, that was a long answer. That's all right. But I think that the, um, I think the other part after the comfort zone is I think we, there, there's two things that hold us back. And one is that we're afraid to try and fail because we might look stupid. Um, and I think trying and failing is a great way to learn new things. And I think the other is 
that we that we we don't even have a first clue what we want to do. We just you know we're waiting for that part where we just magically get rich, um, and that just never comes without some zero people are rich for no reason. You can look at a Justin Bieber and go, that guy, he just sings all day and he's pretty. That kid worked real hard from like right. age two. You don't have to like his music. You have to know that that kid worked real hard to get there. Everyone, everyone you could say you don't like. You don't like Miley Cyrus? Eh, totally fine. She worked super hard to do all the stuff she's done. And I think that we keep mistaking the idea that wealthy people don't work. Um, and it's just not true. And it could be a lot of it is just jealousy because they get to live the life that they've created. Sure. You know, and I would say that um, so few of us are really thinking, I can't wait to buy my fourth boat. You know, I think yeah. <laughs> a lot of us are like, you know, I would love to not worry about a mortgage payment or I would love to, you know, have everything just lined up so that if, you know, I did want to order dessert, I wouldn't have to think about what I'd already bought that month. And I think that to get from there to that place where money isn't the driver is a great goal. Um, but I think that to get there, it requires you really got to play your drum, you know, like the little drummer boy in that Christmas song, right. you know, he didn't know, he didn't have anything and I don't, I don't know what to do. And they're like, just play your drum dummy. That's like, that's what you do. And he's like, Oh, all right. And of course, you know, King likes it. So I think that a lot of us have that, like a lot of us have that sort of weird feeling, like we're not quite sure what we're supposed to do with ourselves, but if you did something, you'd be a lot further down the road. Right. Well, let me ask you this. What do you wish more owners or self-employed people, entrepreneurs, however you want to um, classify them, what do you wish they would be more aware of and put in their put into their daily work? You know, honestly, just be helpful and stop looking at your belly button. It's amazing <laughs> how many people think that their problems in life are something wrong with them, and not the fact that they're just not helping enough people. Um, Zig Ziglar said it, and we can all rip it off until the end of time. But you know, give enough people what they need, and you can have what you want. Um, it's so amazing how many people make it hard to reach them. It's so amazing how many people make it so that something other than the customer is the you know part you spend your most of your time on. Uh, I live for the people that I serve. And I think that the opportunity to come up with more and more ways to help them is what stays, you know, what keeps my business afloat since 2009 and counting. And I think that a lot of folks, uh, what I wish they would do is just every single day wake up and go, man, how can I help? Where can I put my contribution in? And the answer is not just to ask that dumb question. That question just means you haven't thought enough about ways you could be helpful. Right. And you don't even realize probably what you, what you have to offer in the first place. I mean, you just... No question. <laughs> yeah. A um, couple more questions for you, Chris, and I appreciate your time. Um, when it comes to momentum, I know it's difficult to build. Um, what do you do to create momentum in your pursuit towards the things that you want to accomplish? I think, you know, small bite sized wins help out a lot. I think a lot of times we, we look at just way too big a storyline. You know, if we're going to run a marathon, it's 26.2 miles. Well, that sounds like a lot. You know, you just run from phone pole to phone pole. Like once you get to that next phone pole down the street, you go, Ooh, I'm going to take a walk for a second. I'm just going to get my breath, you know, and then you run to the next pole and then you get two poles to one walking. You know what I mean? And you, you just build. And I think so few people know how to do the small points and small bites version of victory. Um, and if you take only small bites, you know, it's going to take a real long time to get there. So eventually you got to take a slightly bigger one. But I think that more people could really benefit from sort of framing what the end point is and then working away towards it in progression, as opposed to just thinking all day how too big it is. 
Wow, that's really good. Have you had momentum go in the wrong direction and had to course correct? And if so, what, what what's an example of that where you just had great momentum, but you were going the wrong way and you knew you had to change direction? Oh my gosh. I mean, is, is this today a day that ends in why? Uh, if so, then I probably already did. Um, you, you know, you can mess up all the time. I mean, I do it all the time and I'll have to send out a mea culpa in one way or another. And I can tell you that there, you know, my life is scattered with, you know, millions of having to, I'm, I'm more apologetic than Canadian people. That's saying a lot. <laughs> so I would say that, um, you know, correcting, you know, kind of bad breaks or bad beats or whatever, like they say in poker terms, I think, you know, the, the, <laughs> the way to slow down that is to stop and figure out where you really are. Um, the, the number one military strategy that beat all the other potential strategies in you know this big contest of which one was the most flexible strategies, something called the OODA loop, O-O-D-A, and it stands for observe, orient, decide, and act. And it's mm-hmm. called the loop because you got to do it a lot of times. Right. Uh, spoken in plain old boring English, where am I right now? Oh, okay, so wait, where do I want to go? All right, well, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this and get over there. It's your intention. And then act. You just do the thing you just said you were going to do. I think if more people spent their time on the OODA loop instead of crazy big strategies and whatnot, it would just work a lot better. And that's what the military figured out. The military figured out that if your strategy is any bigger than that, it's it's like that great Mike Tyson quote. Everyone's got to plan until they get punched in the mouth. Right. And I, I think that that's true of all business and life. And so my strategy is just to be a lot more clear with myself where I am and where I need to be what I'm going to do to get there and then commit to it. Wow. That's great. Um, what keeps you from quitting? Oh, I quit all the time. I'm a big fan of quitting. I (laughs) I think that, um, it's strange how many people think that, you know, quitting is a bad thing or did they write these things like, don't quit, never quit. I think, you know, quitting is great. Surrender is the bad thing. Surrender is when you've absolutely thrown it all up in the air and you're just like, I'm not going to do this. Um, I just read a really good book called Raising Men by Eric Davis. He's a Navy SEAL trainer and sniper instructor and all this sort of thing that wrote a book about how to raise kids uh, based on his experience as a Navy SEAL, which if you are a parent, you know that that's probably good advice. Anyway, you know, anyone who shoots people at a far distance knows how to raise kids better. Um, He says um, in his book that it's not real fight training unless you teach someone to run away as well, meaning that, you know, when you take fight training, it's all about how to combat somebody. Goes, right. But sometimes you just got to run. Other times you got to like give up for a minute and then get back into it. And I think that, you know, that's a great lesson in life. So I quit all the time. But what keeps me moving forward is that, you know, my goal is not going to be dead until I'm dead. You know what I mean? Like I've, I've got to basically help people. I want to make the world better. I want to teach companies how to treat my mom better. That's kind of what my secret goal in life is, is that if every company I ever came in contact with was nice to my mom, I could put myself out of business. Um, And I think that so many companies treat their uh, buyers like poo-poo. And I think that it's a real great opportunity for all of us to, you know, really change that up. In a world where they could buy from anyone, why should they buy from you is a question I try to answer for a lot of businesses. And I I think that... um, there's approaches I take that don't work. There's sometimes I'll launch something and like four people will buy it and I wanted like 4,000. And so I could tell you that, um, I just go, okay, well that didn't work. And I just keep going. So that's, I guess as close to not quitting as I get is that if it didn't work, I'll just quit that and try another way. Wow. That's really good. I, I mean, that's a lot of, 
Great information you're sharing. Um, last question for you here. Uh, how do you how do you stockpile your ideas? Like, what do you do? What's a discipline that you have? I mean, if there is one, um, where you just keep your ideas, um, in, but where they're you know close by enough to say, hey, I'm gonna either integrate this into what I'm doing, or I'm gonna try it on its on its own little thing and its own direction, um, and its own path. Like, what what are some disciplines that you have for stockpiling ideas? I stole this from James Altucher. I think he first wrote about it in his book, Choose Yourself. Uh, and then uh, his ex, Claudia Azula, wrote a book called specifically Build an Idea Machine or Become an Idea Machine, I forget which, um, which expands on that idea even more. And um, the idea, I mean, the real simple part of the idea machine is you basically come up with 10 ideas a day, every day, no matter what. And they could be stupid ideas, such as it were, um, you know, you might not ever act on any of them or whatever, but if you just keep the process up of just doing 10 ideas a day, every day, your brain works a lot different. It works a lot better than other people's brains. It's a lot like running. Um, you know, if you run five miles a day, you can run five miles, you know? So if you have not been doing a lot of running and someone says, let's go hit five miles, you look at them funny and you <laughs> pretend you got an old, old war injury or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's the same with ideas, right? Like so many people are like, oh man, I wish I had more ideas. And then they go back and, you know, watch TV. You got to create ideas every day to have them. And so I use Evernote and I just have a folder called ideas and I just stick 10 in every single day kind of religiously. And most of them aren't such great ideas. Some of them I'll come back to a little later and I'll go, oh, I'm going to develop this one. So I like having a big file of ideas I could use for blog posts or stories or newsletters or business things. Or sometimes I just gift them to people. Guy ran a, a pawn shop and I gave him 10 ideas to get more customers in the door. So, you know, I thought it'd be kind of fun. Wow. That's awesome. Well, Chris, what do you, um, what, what's, what's your, uh, as far as, uh, latest thing? I know you said that you're going to be, um, well, I mean, I know you got owners and you got your, uh, writing book that's out, but is there anything new on the horizon that you got? Oh, there's to? always something new. I mean, the, uh, find your writing voice. It took me a weekend to write it. I mean, it's not that impressive when you think it's only about 80 pages, but, um, I wrote it in one weekend. Then the weekend after that, I wrote another book called Email Marketing for Humans. Uh, and then I took a little break because I felt it was a little weird to write two books in a row. Um, and so I'm midway through another book called Do, uh, which has a really long subtitle that I forget, but it's a book, book of advice. And I'm also working on one for Wiley, you know, like a real live grown up book. So I guess I'm writing a lot of books. That's one thing. And then the other is I've just been really devoting more and more of my time to the insiders part of my owners group, which is the, we have like a monthly membership type thing with a private coaching and all that. And I've been spending a lot more time with those people. So I've just been nurturing ways that I can do stuff for them and work on their business plans and work on developing the skills they need to run their business. So I guess that's it. Okay. Well, great. And where, where would you like um, my listeners to uh, best engage you? Well, you know what I like to say is if you want to get a sense of who I am beyond this, just go to owner.media and you'll get asked to join my newsletter. Sign up to that. And if you like what you read in my newsletter, you might like me. And if you don't, hit the little unsubscribe button and I'll give you your time back. Um, that's probably a good next step. Okay. Well, great. Well, Chris, I, I really appreciate your time. And um, and I thank you so much for all your um, investment into my life uh, from a distance. And uh but also this conversation today. And I know it'll be very helpful with the audience that I'm building because these are the things that they would like to know. So um, 
And if you get some extra Pats tickets, you can mail them to me. I will email you my <laughs> my mailing <laughs> address. I'm a I'm a big Pats fan, but I'll I'll definitely keep up communicating with you. And um, but thank you so much for your time. And um, yeah, and and you uh, just keep doing what you're doing. My pleasure, good sir. Thanks for having me on. All right, you take care and have a great day. You too. Thank you. Well, this has been another episode of Uphill Conversations. You're listening to the sounds of Marcus Anderson, who so kindly has provided some intro and outro music. The song you're hearing now is Your Wish Is My Command, and No Worries was in the beginning. You can find Marcus on iTunes, Tidal, Spotify, all the great places to look for great music. But this has been a great conversation I had with Mr. Chris Brogan. I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope you remember that you can be more, do more, and have more. But most importantly, I will see you on the hill. You've been listening to Uphill Conversations. If you would like to hear more, subscribe to the show. Go to uphillconversations.co. Later on, speak.